0: I want to talk about today, in particular, about love, is a love between a husband and a wife. And, you know, maybe you're going to be celebrating Valentine's Day, you and your husband and your wife, you know, you've been married for a year, two years, or ten years, um, and you're going to celebrate Valentine's Day. Maybe you're dating somebody right now. And we understand that, that dating, the idea of that is supposed to be to figure out if somebody's going to be your husband and your wife. In fact, almost every person in our culture, at some point in their life, gets married. We don't necessarily stay married, but almost every single person gets married. It's the very rare person, and it can actually be a calling from God, singleness, um, but it's a very rare person who lives their entire life without getting married. So Valentine's Day reminds us of marriage, and somebody could say, well, you know, it's not really fair. You preach on marriage today, and I'm not married anymore, or... Um, I'm not married yet, or I don't ever want to be married, or whatever. But Valentine's Day reminds us of marriage, and that's something that, that most of us are involved in, or we will be involved in, or we were involved in. And listen to this, even if you were married and now you're not, you will speak into the lives of others who will be married, or who are currently married. So marriage... Affects every single one of us. This isn't a message just for those people who are, you know, they're a year into their marriage and they're, they're madly in love or maybe not madly in love, madly in anger, um, whatever it could be. Um, the marriage Seminar we had this weekend, we found out about that. The speaker that, that did the, we had a simulcast here. It was awesome. Next year we'll probably do it again. If it's available, you need to be here. We had a great group, but we needed, it was, it was wonderful. Matt Chandler did it. And he talked about how the first seven years of their marriage were. Basically, he said, hell, they were horrible. He was a pastor of a thriving church, and their marriage was terrible. They could barely, they barely survived. And so uh, marriage isn't always easy, but marriage is something that affects all of us. So today, Suzanne and I want to talk about marriage, and not so much from the perspective of experts, because I say this without trying to be falsely humble. We're not at all. This is how I would, would explain about what we, about us in marriage. We're just two people who have tried really, really hard to develop a good marriage. We've put a lot of energy into trying to figure out what marriage is, what's God say about it, read lots of books, try to figure out how do we develop a good marriage. Um, and along the way, we've done some things right. We've made a lot of mistakes. You know, And unfortunately, the longer you're at it, if you stick with it, eventually, if you keep trying, it gets easier because you learn what doesn't work and you learn what does work. So in a few minutes, Suzanne is going to join me and we're going to talk about our imperfect loving marriage. But before we do that, we really felt it was important that it was so it's not just a time on a Sunday morning of Mark and Suzanne talking about some of the things they've learned from God, that I lay a theological foundation of marriage because especially in our day and age, I think this is important because I don't think people understand what marriage is anymore. I really don't. I think in our culture, we completely misunderstand what marriage is about. And so I want to start by just saying this, and what I'm going to say, we're going to break into two sections, i are going to try to get through this in about ten minutes, um, two sections, that, that as I try to say, what's marriage about, this is what I think it's about, that marriage was and is God's idea, and marriage isn't ultimately about making people happy, that ultimately marriage is about revealing God's loving reality to a lost and onlooking world. Remember, God created marriage. It's the first institution He married that He created. Matter of fact, marriage and family is the building block of culture and all civilizations. And so, if you have a collapse in marriage and family, you will have a collapse in in civilization, it being what it's supposed to be under God. And so, marriage—these two ideas—that um, marriage was God's idea, and that marriage has an ultimate purpose of what it's really about—is not making me happy. It's ultimately about revealing God's loving reality to a lost and onlooking world. And so we're going to talk about those two things. So let's think about it. The first one. Marriage was and is God's idea. I didn't think there would ever be a time in my life I'd have to actually say that out loud. But in the world we live in today, it has to be said out loud that we, people, don't get a chance, it's not our job or it's not our right, um, to change what God established. In the very beginning, Scripture describes what God started when he started marriage, bringing in a man and a woman together. So I'm going to look at just two verses, one's from Genesis 1, one's from Genesis 2. So Genesis one27 I'm just going to read them, put them together, because they're talking about the same thing. Genesis 1, 27 says this, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then chapter 2, verse 24 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See that's a description of God's design for marriage. a man and a woman leaving their parents and for, for a reason to start a brand new entity, to start something new, two separate people coming together to become one new unit, and that unit is an expression of love and unity. now. It doesn't really matter how smart we think we are. It doesn't really matter if people think that they get to redefine marriage. God, right there, already defined what marriage is to be. No matter what culture says. God says marriage is a man and a woman leaving others to establish a new union where that new union is now who they are. What I mean by that is that, those two individuals who are, who are part of families who now come together are now defined as us. There's a, there's, a, there's a cohesiveness. There's a connection. It is now they are defined as us. And that new unit defined as us, we're no longer is it just Mark, about Mark, or just about Suzanne or John and Sally or whatever else. It is now about us. We are the Larson's. It's about us, we are a unit. God said they t- shall leave, and they shall cleave, and they shall be united. That's God's design for marriage. And as as I said earlier, the the plan for this new union, that God had a purpose beside, but, but, uh, to create this, and there's all kinds of other purposes, like, you know there is, it is about pleasure, it is about stability, it is about procreation, it is about you know all kinds of things. But the ultimate purpose of bringing this together because he did it from the very beginning when he's creating everything and he has a plan for everything he's doing, the ultimate purpose of creating this was so that God would reveal his loving reality to the onlooking and lost world. You see, understand this. The marriage, and explain, you go, I, don't, I don't know sure you're talking about here, let me explain. The marriage of two Christian people has a purpose beyond pleasure. God said in the beginning, Very beginning, he said, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So I shouldn't even get on any rabbit trails today because we've got to stay on task here. But but for all the years of wrong preaching about male dominance, and somehow believing that that God is most really revealed through man, and that somehow is a strong man, um, it says in the image of God he created him male and female he created them he's talking about being created in the image of God and he's talking about the male and the female together mankind is unique among all of creation and remember this is coming at the time explaining the image of God in man at the time in Genesis where God's talking about everything he created and he says mankind is different than everything else i created mankind is unique unique among creation In that only mankind, male and female together, it says, are created in the image of God. Now, you might think your dog is awesome. I teach you sometimes, I tell you, our dog Jake, who is the best dog in the world, that I show to him all the time, his name really should be the Holy Spirit. Because he's always loving, always kind. Now, that's a joke, but some of you think that about that, and somehow it would reveal God. Guess what? Jake doesn't really reveal God. Because you know why he licks my hand every time he sees me? Well, maybe it's salty, I'm not sure, but he really, he just wants me to pet him. You know? And so, creation is wonderful, but the only part of creation that reveals the image of God is, he said, male and female, they reveal the image of God. God created mankind in his image to be image bearers of his among the rest of creation mankind reflects the image the picture of god among all creation and get this this is most fully revealed through marriage that's what he's talking about here god created male and female in his image to be joined together spiritually and physically and relationally to create a new loving union that reveals the reality of god to creation in in a in a Inferior way, because we are inferior to God, it reveals the concept of God in Trinity. God is a relational God. He is Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And He created marriage and brought us together, us together with Him, to, to reveal something of the reality of God's wonder and who He is. And it's the combination of female and the, fe- the feminine and the masculine to- coming together that brings wholeness to the revelation of what God is like. God's trying to say to the world, this is something of what I'm like. Remember, he was saying that to a man and a woman before sin entered the picture. And so, so we understand that that's been marred. But that was God's, that's God's plan. And this revelation is not primarily physical. Say, oh, God looks like a man, or God looks like a woman, or how will God and men together? How would that reveal God? It's not primarily physical. The revelation is primarily spiritual and relational. Think of it like this when two spiritually reborn and maturing Christians married together. Reveal in their relationship, go through all the realities of life, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, the hard, the stresses. When they go through all the realities of existence and they reveal love for one another, and they reveal grace towards one another, and they, re- and they reveal forgiveness towards one another, and joy from being together, and patience with one another, and sacrifice for each other, and endurance. In suffering well together. What are they doing? They're revealing God's type of character to the world. Marriage is designed to be a revelation of God. God is a relational God. He lives in Trinity and He brings the very first creation that's going to be in His image. He says, I'm going to make, He didn't just say, I make man your image. He said, man and woman, I'm going to bring you together to reveal relational unity and love. Being made, that's being made in the image of God. It's revealing something of the character of God. The primary purpose of marriage is for people to see the reality of God in our marriage relationships. Christian marriage is ultimately to be a reflection of God to all of creation and to the heavenly hosts. That's what Ephesians talks about. When we understand this, we understand that the greatest um, the greatest revelation of God, so therefore, the greatest evangelism tool in all the world is a wonderful Christ centered marriage. It's the greatest. It is the best way to raise children who will serve God for the long term is a Christ centered, God honoring, loving, wonderful marriage. That's the best way you can ever make sure. Evangelism starts at home, right? Evangelism simply means transmission of the faith from one person to the next. I found this joy in coming to know Jesus and I want to share it with somebody else. That's what it is. Marriage is the best at that. It's the best way to raise children who grow up and love God. It's the best way to affect the rest of your family. Because guess what? Does anybody, Christian, non-Christian, ever believe for a second that life isn't hard and marriage doesn't have challenges? It doesn't matter if if you you know you got Rev in front of your name and you put the ring on your finger, you still have to deal with the broken plumbing at two in the morning, and guess what? Nobody is happy and necessarily really kind at that time. You should be, and hopefully the more I grow, the better I'll get at it. But the reality is we all deal with we all deal with stuff. So the best way not only children, but the rest of your family, I'm talking aunts, uncles, moms, dads, can know about Jesus is because your relationship reveals as being created in the image of God, reveals the character of God in relationship. And they go, oh, wow, there's something different. And the best way you can affect the rest of your sphere of influence is that in all the world, it's through a godly husband and a wife coming together, raising godly kids, affecting their godly family, and showing that, you know what, this is really real. And they go, I want what you've got. And so this is a big deal. Well we understand this idea that marriage is a really big deal. We understand um, how, how important this is, we will also recognize why Satan is working so hard to destroy and redefine marriage in our culture. He's trying to say, why is there such an attack on marriage? It's because Satan understands it's the best evangelism tool, the best way to raise your kids, the best way to influence your family, the best way to influence your sphere of influence. And he wants to destroy it. You know, if you you can keep marriage from its original design and purpose and keep it from functioning according to the way God wants it to function, he can keep people from really seeing one of the greatest reflections of the glory of God there is. In the very beginning, he said, I'll take man, I'll take woman, I'll bring them together, and they will be in my image. They will show people, they'll be reflections, icons of God. And They'll say, icons of God, a representative of what God is, something of what God is like. Not God, but something of what God is like. You eliminate it from the picture. And one of God's greatest, the first way God in dealing with man said, I'm going to reveal this, is through humanity, through mankind coming together. You eliminate it. So why do you think Satan wants so hard to destroy marriage? And why are we fighting so hard to say this is what God says about marriage and this is what God says about family at Portview? Why do we fight so hard about it? Why is it such an important thing? Because we understand, if you go to Genesis 1, the very beginning, this is the foundation. And if you lose the foundation, you lose the rest of it. And so we'll keep on fighting. So marriage is a really big deal. and That's why Suzanne and I want to take some time today and talk about what we have been learning, what we are learning, and we know we'll continue to learn about how to grow in a marriage that we hope is getting better at revealing God's goodness and love through our marriage. So Susie, come on up here with me. Join me, my better half by far. Coming up here. Thank you. Joining me we will talk about our imperfect loving marriage. I'm not sure. Something was funny. So, it got brighter when she came up here? Does anybody for a second... I've been saying that for, 20, for for 28 years, I've been saying that. You're the light of my life. Everything is better with Suzanne. So, as we start, you might say, why are you wearing these shirts? So, And I want to say this because marriage takes effort. And so Suzanne had an idea at Christmas, and she went online and she bought this. I love my wife. Well, that's what happened is she bought a shirt, and she had it. came in the mail. I love my husband. And I said, well, where's mine? I love my, I, I love my wife. And so she ordered one for herself, and then we started talking. And I shouldn't probably tell them the real, the real way it got started. But, uh, no, don't think of anything like that. But, um, but... So we had we started. Suzanne said, "Well, wait, it's almost Christmas." So she bought. I love Brett stand up. I love my wife. Now Miranda has an. I love my husband. And some and totally. I mean, it was accident. They stayed at our house last night because they live in Sheboygan and forgot it. Not a big deal. And Sam, do you have your? You don't because your husband is in the National Guard this weekend. So the goal was all six of us would have. I love my husband. I love my wife's shirts on today, but life is life, right? So blame the army, you know, blame the army and blame the National Guard and blame distance. Um, but the re- what we did is it wasn't just for shirts. Suzanne then also ordered a really good Christian marriage book for each one of us. And that was, this is what was in people's stockings at Christmas. They got presents, but in their stockings were these in a book. And in my stocking. And so, and you already had yours, so. Did you have anything in your stocking? I don't, I don't
1: care. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's okay.
0: Day coming up. And so anyway, um, so the goal is, and, and somebody kind of messed what our plan up, who ended up going to Germany to a hospital for a week, and then being sick for six weeks. Um, so we're, the goal is we are going to, as a family, go, meet regularly and talk about what we're learning through the book on marriage um, so that we can learn together. And so that's why the I love my wife and I love my husband shirts and I do love my wife more than life itself. And that is true, without a doubt. 28 years this uh, June. Yeah. So, she she needs an award. <laughs> Been with, put up with me for 28 years. So, I'm going to start not, by asking a, a question. Problem. It's not a problem. I'm going to start by asking a question. What do you think, and we're going to interact on these things, what do you think is the most important thing that you have learned or we have learned about creating a great marriage and as a result, revealing, hopefully revealing God's goodness through our marriage? How do we do that? What's the most important thing?
1: So we were talking through some of this, and um, well, actually we talked through all of it, but when we started talking about it, um, we said... You know, the first thing that comes to mind seems very basic, and that is that as individuals in your relationship, you have to keep Christ as your center. So as Christians, that kind of goes without saying, right? It should. It should, that, you know, our time with the Lord should be regular and consistent, and we should be seeking him um, to become more Christ-like because... As we become more Christ-like, then the fruits of the Spirit come into play in our relationship. Um, we develop that servant's heart toward each other that, um, you know, help us that, you know, life is life, right? Jobs, kids, um, bills. Yeah, yeah, bills, illnesses, um, things like that happen. But, if our if our if our core is Jesus and we have the core of his heart then it makes this easier um, but as i was you know kind of praying over this and asking the lord like you know what is it you really want to say um, you know so okay i'm just going to share a little story okay just bear with me one minute I'll so bear
0: with you girl you yeah. hear stories from me all the time.
1: Yeah, and I actually had no intention of sharing this till about 30 seconds ago <laughs> um, until I, I really feel... Nervous? No, no, because <laughs> you know about it. Um, but, you know, we come into marriage individually. We've had separate lives, separate upbringings, separate experiences, exposures, and then we come together. And, you know, this all has to mingle. You know, we, we have to bring it together and make a... Make it work. So the longer you're married, you become very dependent on this person. Now, I understand there's personality differences, and some people are much more independent and, you know, able to stay kind of separate. But that's not us. And um, so a couple weeks ago, when this whole episode happened with Mark on the plane, um, and I apologize. So when that all happened, um, I thought he died. And so I'm on the airplane, and I'm looking at him thinking he's dead. And a lot of things went through my mind. And as the weeks have gone on, um, and I actually just told Mark this in the past week, um, the thing that the Lord really began to work on me about is is. God really enough? Has he become my God, the one that I trust and my security is in? Or is God the one that my security rests in? And I think that is a very key component to marriage. That, yes, I love him with my entire life, with my entire heart, but he is not where my security rests. And I was thinking, just when the Lord dropped this in my heart, I thought, you know, sadly, there's many women here who have lost their husbands. And I can't even imagine that loss and what that's like because, you know, for us through the years, you just, you do. You become dependent on each other. You trust each other. You love each other. And, you know, in one minute, it can all change. And we don't have any say over that. But the thing that will remain is my walk with the Lord and my security and my ability to trust. And and I'm so glad you're alive still.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm alive too. Um,
1: But it is helping me day by day as things come up and issues come up to look at it in a different light and to say, you know what, I do love, love Mark more than life itself, but I can do this. The Lord will help me. The Lord will strengthen me. When I don't know what to do, the Lord is the one. And so I think that, you know, it seems basic to say the Lord needs to be the core and the center of of your relationships independently because, you know, all of us have probably seen the triangle, you know, we're at the top of the triangle where God is at the peak and, you know, Mark would be here and I would be here. And the closer we draw to God, the, the closer we are to each other. You know, we have kindred hearts. We, we want to honor God. We want to please God. So when we do fight and when we do disagree and... And when, we do
0: fight and we do disagree. And we
1: do. We do. Yes. <laughs> 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 better than we used to. You know, better than we used to. We fight um, better now. Yes. And, um, but, you know, we have to have, we have to have the same core, you know, and this, of course, is talking to, to Christian people. You know, we understand that, you know, some of you are in relationships where it's just you; um, the other, per- the other spouse isn't a Christian, and they're they're not kind of having that focus of Jesus. But we do know through Scripture that as a Christian, you seek God, you have Him transform your heart. You know, and and that can win over an unbelieving spouse. You know, so as in, as an individual, we have to keep Christ as our center so that it can positively impact our marriage relationship.
0: And one of the things we talked about in that, and thank you for sharing a hard story.
1: Um, I'm still kind of processing this whole thing. So. And, you know,
0: <laughs> I tell to Suzanne a thousand times since. Maybe it's exaggeration, but maybe not. I'm so sorry. She's like, you didn't try to do it. And I said, but it wasn't just 30 It was like three minutes that I wouldn't respond that, that you literally thought I was dead. I looked dead. You thought I was dead. And everybody else thought I was dead. And and so in your brain, you're saying, I can't believe my, me and my mom are widows within six months. And, you know, so you had to process that. You know, so, so, um, so you, you know, those things help us deal with reality. Um, and one of the things that we talked about this first point that we said, I put it in my notes here, let's start with the most basic, because Suzanne said this was the one you want to start with. And I said, well, doesn't everybody know that already? And, and we talked about it and said, well, we might know it, but there's a dimension of it that maybe we don't know. And it's that... Um, you know, an A marriage takes A effort, and it takes A effort in your spiritual life. And um, that we need to be the champion for each other, to encourage each other to grow spiritually. Now, there's a there's a line you got to watch. I'm not talking about nagging and badgering or belittling or or guilting, but for instance. This In the last two years, Suzanne and I are both, because we are both really wanting to learn more and grow more in the area of soul care, um, both of us enrolled in school in different organizations. I'm in school in a, a college in Wichita, Kansas, um, doing this year-and-a-half program on, on spiritual transformation. And Suzanne's in a two-year program through the Vineyard International, because they have a department called the um, Sustainable Faith. And our organization just doesn't understand this. or doesn't have it. doesn't they're just like work harder, give more, pray harder, and it'll all will work out. Well, we've been doing this for a long time and saying there's, there's more. Historically, there's more. And so um, so when I was, I actually started off looking at the School of Sustainable Faith first. And I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. But then I went to Suzanne and I said, maybe this is what you're looking for. And so she's been in a two-year program um, on becoming a certified spiritual director and it's interesting, a lot of the things we're reading and doing assignments are really the same. Same book, same everything. And um, both of those, like, so when Suzanne wanted to do it, she's like, yeah, but it's expensive. And I say, yeah, well, we, let's, let's figure it out. What's, what's important? You think God wants you to do it? Yeah, let's do it. So it was not a sense of, for either one of us, like, um, well, yeah, that'd be really nice, but it was like, okay, that's what we think we should do, so let's figure out how to make it work. And that we did it for each other. It was a sense of, no, I really want you to do this. Because this would really help you grow. And you're like, Mark, I want you to do this. This would really help you grow. And it wasn't a, you really need to grow, so you need to do this. It was a listening for both of us and saying, you know what, you really have a, a desire here. And how can we as a couple fulfill those desires? And so... Uh, and and in paired with that is also when one of us is really growing and working on growing in the sense of not working that effort but you know putting pouring our soul into it, it challenges the other one to do it. And so this this is the foundation of marriage.
1: Right. And you know, in our relationship with Christ, He encourages us, He challenges us, He provides us opportunity, and that's what we are to be to each other. You know, if we're, if we're in tune with Christ, if we're praying, you know, for our spouse, and we're, you know, one of the prayers that I pray just about every day for Mark is, Lord, help me to meet the needs in Mark's life today that you have created me to fill, because there are certain things that I can do. But provide the other areas. Provide, you know the things he needs, so you provide those things. So as opportunities come up, You know, there's many things in my life I would not have even dreamt of doing had he not encouraged me in it. You know, I mean, honestly, and I've said this before, I was like the biggest wallflower. Never, ever, ever would I ever, ever be sitting here. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's just been, you know, this, this journey of encouraging one another and saying, you know, you know, like, I'm willing to sacrifice time with you so you can do this, and I'm willing to, we're willing to sacrifice financially for you to do this, and, you know, that's, that is one of the hearts, I think, of Christ. Christ loves us. He pours into us. He challenges us. He gives us opportunities, but it's played out in this relationship, too, of encouraging and loving and and challenging. You know, sometimes there's things that are said that, like, don't you think this would be a good good idea? You and that, you think you might want, maybe you write something on the whiteboard and it sits there for a month, and you're like, you want me to erase that? Nope, nope. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, just, you know, little things. But, and again, and again not, not nagging, nagging, not, you know, but just that encouraging. Has a, that has
0: the counter result. It might get a short-term result, but long-term it will destroy the relationship. So let's move on because we, have, we want to try to do four things. We're going to do, no, we're going to do three, hopefully. And so um, the next thing we talked about, again, we just sat and, and brainstormed and tried to say, God, give us direction, what do you want? The next thing for how do we create a, a what have we learned in our imperfect loving marriage is the need to see marriage um, and the resulting family, if you have a resulting family, which is usually, but not always, see marriage and the resulting family as your vocation. Your primary purpose for life. And this is something, I'll start by telling a little story, but this is something that we didn't get 28 years ago. And we're only learning it, I would say, really where I put the pieces together, the last 10 years, but even the last 5 years. And so one thing we learn is we don't guilt ourselves, we don't say we're not responsible for knowing what we didn't know when we didn't know it, but we have to own what we know when we know it now, and then we have to pass it on. And so what I mean by this is seeing need, see your your marriage as your vocation, is this. Um, and it came it, when the the day I had the biggest epiphany about it was we lived in a in a house in a cul de sac for a while, and we were planting a church, uh, revitalizing a church, shut it shut down and restarted it. And, you know, we always are side by side, everything we do, and it's family, it's all together, and, and family's important, we're always like, family, you know, ooh, everything is about family, that's what we said, and what we believed, we believed, we believed, we believed it, and then we met this neighbor across the street, and, and I would say, if he's a Christian, he's a nominal Christian, but what I would say this, is he is a strong, and I'm not, i uh, got to be careful when I say this, because I'm not casting aspersions on the group I'm going to say he was a very strong Roman Catholic man, very involved. Um, kids went to Catholic school, um, family was everything. And when we looked at this family, we loved them. We became very friends with them. Our kids were the same ages as some of their kids. They went to school together. And we learned something, and it took a while. And I'm like, what do I see about them that I like? And what I realized it was, he was a, had a high-level sales job and I'm a pastor. And his he but but his job wasn't the reason he lived. His children and his wife, he viewed it as his vocation. So I did research on Roman Catholic websites and I found out that's what they teach, that that is your vocation. And I'm going, "Oh my goodness, us Protestants have blown it. We missed it." And here's how I can say we missed it, because we, this is how we did it. And we did families. Brett will tell you, families, everything to us. But my vocation was being a pastor church planter. Suzanne's a co-pastor with me, so everything was about that. And one time, and he's not here, and I was going to ask him permission, so I'm asking you for permission to tell a story about Josh, and, and I have permission. Um, <laughs> and it's not a bad story. Josh was right. Now, we moved a couple of times in ministry. We planted one church. We were there for 10 years. We were asked to re- shut down and restart another church. And we came there, but it was we, we didn't, from the very beginning, didn't believe we'd be there long. We were asked to do a job, to shut it down and restart it. And while we were in that one, and we were there four years, and we're people who planned on going to a church, staying there until we died. That was always our goal. We never wanted to leave the first church we planted. We felt we literally felt forced by God to leave. The church was thriving. We loved the people. It was almost this crazy, crazy love affair. Um, and so we loved the people. They loved us. It was growing. It was thriving. There have been five attempts at a church in that community. This was the only, by the assemblies of God. It was the only one that worked. And so, so we we get done with that. We go to this next one. And we knew it was short-term. While we're there, we're asked if we'll go teach church planting overseas in Cambodia. We go to Cambodia. Cambodia, we have some family issues. Because we love family, we chose to resign. We come back, and we end up at Portview. So in that process, somewhere along the process there, um, Josh wasn't happy about something. And we were. Josh and I are very similar, so we'd have the most tendency, if we're going to have a disagreement, that it could be slightly explosive. Um, and it's not—it's not. It's not any, I'm, I'm being kind. It's not anymore. But there has been some some heated exchanges between Josh and I over the years, and and really not anymore—not for years. And because because I've grown up and he's growing up. But we're talking about family being important, and that family is everything. Because he was upset about something where I said I obviously I wasn't caring about him through moves. And I said, family's been the most important. He looked at me he goes, and he's Josh is a smart guy too. He's a thinker. And he's a good arguer. And, um, and so am I, so that's the problem. And uh, <laughs> he says, that's a bunch of garbage. Don't you dare tell me that family's the most important to you. Everywhere we've gone has been because of your jobs. And you never had to leave the places we left, but you chose to do it anyways. And you said God told us, but you did it because because it was the next job. And you and Mom went and you dragged us along. Uh, I'm going. Uh, that's how we looked. Like, uh, what do I say? I'm like, but 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 we're trying to hear from God and all this, and we really did. I mean, I'm not. I don't regret the moves we made. Um, and. But what I I thought in that moment was the friend who lived in the other house. I thought, wait a minute, he gets something different. Our view was, God calls you to do something, you go do it at any expense, and you just take your family with you. You try to prioritize family, but you drag them along. And sometimes moves are essential, you have to do it, but we we didn't look at family as our vocation. And what we learned from our neighbor was he looked at his vocation. And we started saying, I think we're wrong. And we started evaluating going, no. God's primary vocation for us is marriage. It's the first institution to reveal his glory. And marriage is about family. This is our first priority. Making this thing, this Christ-honoring thing that radiates the glory of God. And what Josh pointed out was, you're not being consistent with what you say. Now, again, I don't know if we ever were to change any of our decisions, but we have made a change in how we view family over the years. Where now family is our vocation. So at Christmas, you're not thinking of ourselves. You're saying, oh, wait, we got to invest in our kids. That, that We want them to have what we have. And we want them to have better than we have. So,
1: And, you know, and we've, and it, you know, in ministry, it's hard to separate Jo- you know, it's not just a job, it's your life, you know. But, you know, my other job outside of this is a nurse. And I always say, that is my job, it is not my life. And being able to walk away from that and say, no, this is the priority. You know, this requires time and this requires investment and, and, and sacrifice. You know, I, my previous job from the one I have now, you know, I took a pay cut. You know, our income went down because it was what was best for our family at the time. And so obviously you need to hear from God on that. But if this relationship is strained all the time because you're not able to spend time together, you have no ability to just sit and talk, you know, ask the Lord, what, is there something you're asking me to, to sacrifice in order for this relationship to be what you are wanting it to be? You know, because it is the first. It was his first institution, and you know, we always say our priorities are God, each other, our kids, and then everything else. Everything else is under that. You know, because but you know sometimes, all we, well,
0: the decisions that we made. It was muddy, and I'm again. I'm not sure right or wrong, but we're trying to say. So is this God?
1: Well, that's why this is Are we is following imperfect.
0: God, <laughs> or are we following a vocation? And. And we just wanted to make, what we've tried to figure out in our life now, the best we can, is voc- vocation is family. You know? And so I learned that. Um, we learned that. And we've had countless conversations about it.
1: Well, and um, that's a good segue into our next thing, yeah. because if our jobs and other things really become our vocation, then, you know, every marriage naturally grows apart. I mean that's just as human beings we get that's our busy third point. you know we, couples naturally grow apart. Yeah and so you know if if we don't say no this is a priority um, then someday down the road you know we became empty nesters in October you know of last Woo-hoo. year. And and yeah, he's woo wooing. But for me, it was a little harder. No, it was hard, honest. but uh, they're successful. But but that's what this is it what worked. I mean. But it's what you you want when your kids leave that this is still, you know, that if you have an episode where you think that they died, it makes you sad. That it would be like I'm. It would be devastating. Not like oh, it's over. I mean seriously. I mean I've you know I have coworkers and they're uh, yeah you know, people do have that view. Like, I just, I'm I not going to get divorced, but I'm just putting up with it. God has so much more for you in that. And so, you know, putting God as the center and understanding, no, this is our vocation. We're going to invest in this is a key. And, and that
0: it takes, it takes investment, because I'm going to try to wrap wrap this up pretty quick here. Um, that I, it takes investment because couples, this is a natural thing, couples naturally Girl apart. I was going to tell you a story about it, but I won't take the time right now, but from a man who experienced it in his life and talked to me because I think he saw it happening in us. Because here's a reality that, I won't tell the whole story, but this is a short version of Suzanne and I. Um, that we were married, we were planting a church, we got to college, finished college, planted a church, so we were married 12 years. Coming out the tail end of a highly successful ministry endeavor, planting this church in, in Michigan. And, and both having grown a great deal and our ability as ministers. Suzanne was just rocking it as a worship pastor. The church was going great. It was growing. We couldn't really keep up with the growth and it was going really well. We loved it. And we were fighting like cats and dogs. And and I believe the reason that we that we felt compelled to leave that church was because our marriage wouldn't have survived. And we moved to the next place and we're sitting in a we had to couldn't, we had to buy a duplex because we couldn't even afford a house where we were. And so our house we sold our house. We moved into it. And I don't remember. I trying to remember who said it. I think I said it, but I'm not sure. We're sitting in a room. We're arguing. And I said to her, I love you, but I don't like you very much anymore. And she said, I feel the exact same way about you. And I said, we're in trouble. we got to do something about this. This friend in the last church who had gone through it, he was... 20 years older than me, had talked about how his marriage had done this, and all of a sudden they didn't recognize it. it was almost too late, and they were working really hard to try to pull it back together. And so we went to marriage counseling, and which was a little humbling for a pastor. Go to a marriage counselor and say, so what do we do? And the guy's like, okay, are you, are you getting a divorce? We're like, no. Are you, are you throwing things at each other? No. Do you hate each other? No. Are you always fighting? Out of you? No. Then why are you here? because we're going like this and it's getting worse. And we were numbed to it because we were so busy and being successful at what we did. And we know if we're going to make it for the long haul, we've got to go like this. And we started so we prioritized our marriage and said, never again will any will ministry will anything come between us. Because even what didn't come between us in the sense that she, would, she was, would say to me sometimes, you look at me like a staff pastor, not like your wife. And I'd be like, that's not true. But it was true. Because the responsibility of getting it done and making it grow and having it happen was so crushing. And she was so good at what she did. I'm like, just do it and shut up. You know, just, I got work to do. You know, And I didn't try to think that way. That's how I felt. Just do it. You're good at it. Leave me alone. I got this to do. You know, and when we had, when were together, we're together, fine. But, you know, it was, it was my vocation was wrong. And so we grew apart, and we so we that was 12 years. So if we would have been sitting here 12 years ago doing a marriage thing, we'd be lying to you about how great it was. Oh, here's God's principles for marriage. But then we'd go home and fight about it, probably. Now I can say this. I can't imagine loving anybody more than I love Suzanne. But it took a recognition, a recognition that we're doing this. And what my friend said to me is, Mark, all relationships naturally do this. It takes effort to do this.
1: And it's, it's worth the effort. Absolutely you know, worth the it's effort. It's worth the effort. And, you know, in the day and age, I know we have to wrap up, but, you know, in, in in the way our society has changed where, you know, moms used to be stay-at-home moms and, you know, now usually, you know, both, both uh, spouses are working and it's easy to get the pat on the back and the encouragement and the rah-rah from other people like you're doing great at your job and you're you know successful and you're nice and and then you come home and you don't really need it from your spouse and at home is all
0: the problems
1: but that's it's that the is crying kids such and the a whatever potential else. trap from the enemy because this is much more important if everybody out here is saying oh great job that was you know an awesome service and then we go home and i can't stand you this isn't glorifying God.
0: Because then, if what happens is this cracks or is just unhealthy, we stop being the revelation of the goodness and glory of God that was designed for marriage, and any ministry we redo or anything we accomplish is wasted anyways. Because it's not really authentic. And so, you could, here's, here's one of the things in life you want to you evaluate yourself on. What, who thinks you're the greatest? The people who are closest to you or the people who see you at a distance? the people at work think you're wonderful, but your wife and kids and family members think you're a jerk? Or do your family say, this is the greatest person on the planet? And the people at work go, well, you know what, you're okay, but if you just put a little extra effort in and you're going, well, the reason I'm not putting extra effort in, and I'm not saying don't put extra, I work hard at everything I do, but this is going to be the priority. And so that, let me just say then, because we're out of time, I'm going to take one minute. The last point is this. And it relates to this. Your spouse deserves the best you. And what I mean by that is, it is very easy for for me to come... It's very hard. For me, it's easy to say. It's hard to do. It's It's for me to give my best to everybody else all day and come home at the end of the day and be wore out and tired and be rude and crabby and short and whatever with my spouse. And I say, you need to do a reversal of your thinking and say, my spouse needs to get the best me. And everybody else gets second best. And so that in itself will change how your world works at home. Your spouse deserves the best you. All right? So we got done in time because we're going to do something else right now. we Are going to say something? Oh, that's right. I asked Suzanne if she would pray. Will you pray a blessing over our church?
1: Well, Father, I thank you just for your, again, your heart of kindness and love that just is at work in each of us, and Lord, I ask this morning, first of all, for a blessing over every marriage relationship in this place, Lord, every marriage that is great and every marriage that is not so great, Father, we ask you to intervene by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to to help the truths that we talked about today, the ones that are from you that resonate in that couple with those people, that, God, you would help those things to just stick. And, Lord, that you would guide and you would lead. And, Lord, we pray against the plan of the enemy that destroys marriages. Lord, we see it all across not just our nation but our world. And, God, we pray for uh, the ability to trust you, We pray for the ability to hear your voice. I pray for the willingness to be obedient to what you're asking us to do and the ability to take the steps in the direction that you're asking us to take so that our marriages can truly be all that you have created them to be. Lord, that it wouldn't be just a light and a testimony to each other in a marriage relationship, but to our children, to our family members, to those co-workers, friends, family, to all people, God. And, Lord, for people that are in relationships, Lord, even for people who have had spouses, Lord, and and have lost them through divorce or death, Lord, we just pray, God, your peace to rest upon them, Lord, that you would guide and lead and direct, and that, Lord, in every relationship we have, marriage or non-marriage, that, God, it would be glorifying and honoring to you. In your precious name, amen.